0: Hey, Slingers, welcome back to another week of the Word Slinger Podcast. And I'm talking to GP James today. You're going to want to hear this interview. Uh, So stick around. We'll get to it next. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand. Write your book. Redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours now? Here's the guy who invented hands-optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Word Slinger. Well, I am Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. I am uh, really glad you're here. Uh, this is a, w- Welcome, by the way, to uh, another Word Slinger podcast interview Friday. <laughs> I'm struggling to name these things uh, since I've split the format. Another change, by the way, that I have made as of as of, uh, really this week was to, uh, I've, I think I've decided, I think I've fully decided I'm going to just go back to doing audio only for the podcast. Um, for a few reasons, people weren't really responding well to the, uh, to the video. Um, and it's not that they weren't responding well. I wasn't getting a a, a lot of, you know, subscribers and I wasn't really, it, it just, it's an extra bit of work that, uh, yeah you know, wasn't really paying off maybe it would uh, long term and maybe i'll bring it back again and maybe next week i'll be announcing how i've changed and uh i'm doing video again who knows <laughs> but uh for right now um i've decided that uh it's just a little easier just to do the audio version let me know let me know what you think of that i i, I know i ask you, st- you guys this stuff all the time but uh you know, I value your input. So, um, anyway, all that said, I mean, I'm sure lots is going to happen. A lot of stuff's going to happen. And I still have the video interviews. I still record them as video. I do intend to use that. Uh, so it's not going to be wasted. I just want to, um, sort of pull back and recenter a little, because I like the audio version. I like what I do here. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm having a good time with it and, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. So um, Anyway, things change. Things change, <laughs> and I got a lot more of you guys listening than I do watching. Uh, something to the tune of about forty 000 to fifty thousand people uh, download and listen to the show each week, while uh, a scant like two hundred people were watching it on YouTube. Now I don't know. They may have been watching it somehow, some way elsewhere. Maybe when they watch it on my my uh, show notes page, it's different. I'm not sure, but. Let me know what you think. If this is disappointing to you, I apologize. Um, I'm gonna get it all worked out. I'm gonna figure it all out. So uh, today I'm talking to GP James, and uh, this guy is just—he's—he's just—he's got, got his fingers in everything. Uh, he lives in LA. He's got a—he's a writer, a music creator. Uh, He's—you know—worked with some folks in the film industry. Uh, we're gonna be talking about his book *Meltdown*, which. Uh, released, it published May fifteenth, so we're we're a, almost a month out from uh, from it being out there. But definitely want to push that. I want you to check that out. Go to the show notes, and you'll find links to uh, to the, you know his website, to his book. You can follow him on Twitter. A lot of cool stuff there. So check that out. Um, but let's just hear from the man himself. Let's hop on over to this interview with G.P. James, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in uh, to another great Wordslinger podcast interview. Now, today's guest uh, is G.P. James. He's the author of Meltdown. We're going to call him Greg, uh, just so it's a little easier on me throughout the show. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thanks for having me. I'm going I'm to reemphasize, G.P. James is the author's name you're going to want to look for when you hear about this book. Uh, so we'll put that out there. It'll be in the uh, show notes and everything, name of the episode and all that, but uh, just so we're nice and friendly, man. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Uh, so uh, now I haven't, because of the speed with which all this was set up, I have not yet had a chance to read your book. I did kind of thumb through and uh, take a look, though, uh, and I'm very fascinated because this is, you know, I'm a thriller writer and I'm
1: uh, a oh, cool.
0: big fan of this genre, uh, and this is a... How would you classify this book? By the way,
1: how would I classify it? Um, it's a uh, environmental thriller, I guess to say.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could I could ride with that. Um, yeah. Why don't you give me a little bit of the premise, and we'll we'll roll from there.
1: Sure. Yeah. So it takes place in uh, Peekskill, New York, thirty-five miles outside of the center of Manhattan, and um, what happens is there's a earthquake unexpected earthquake of course being on the east coast and this uh nuclear nuclear power plant that's on the edge of the hudson river uh just goes into disarray loses power systems are shutting down and when that happens they can't cool the reactor and if you can't cool the reactor you could end up in a meltdown scenario
0: yeah. So
1: my uh Protagonist, my lead, his character is inside the plant. He's one of the plant managers, and he's trying to um, stabilize the reactor. And on his wife is on the outside, looking for their daughter who's been lost in the uh, disaster wreckage.
0: It has all the earmarks of a uh, Hollywood blockbuster, man. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, and. This is the kind of thing, by the way. Now, how how much um, how much of the uh, the of the story is completely factual in terms of location and that sort of thing?
1: All all of it.
0: All of it. The the, these locations that, exist. Yeah.
1: Yeah. the The power plant is is real. Uh, I've changed the name, of course, because I'm not looking to you know b- create battle them
0: chaos and, and yeah, uh, <laughs> and it's not
1: it's not really about them. Yeah. And, you know, it's about right. them. the 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 wide awareness but i felt like that was a good uh place to to stage this given the you know the unknown fault line there the proximity plant to the fault line
0: right right yeah i mean you know we it's a topic that that's very interesting to me because um well it's a it's almost a man versus nature kind of story uh almost it's like man versus past man who wasn't really thinking about it Uh, you know, who puts a a nuclear uh, plant on a fault line kind of thing. But uh, it's fascinating to me because, you know, I've been exposed to it maybe I should rephrase this. I haven't been exposed to radiation or anything, but I've, you know, I've seen plenty of these plants that are in places. I'm like, wow, one well-placed natural disaster and the whole, you know, ecosystem goes belly up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's what happened in, in Fukushima.
0: Exactly right. Yeah.
1: And, um, there is another power plant out here and in, in near Los Angeles. Uh, it's called the in uh, San Onofre. It's m- more towards San Diego, but they closed that uh, after Fukushima. And this thing is right on the beach. Like it's crawling into the ocean on the sand. And right. I'm glad they closed it, you know, yeah. thank yeah. you, uh, you know, but yeah. you know, Who's not thinking about that when you build something like this, that, oh, maybe a tsunami could come mm-hmm. and just wipe out the whole thing
0: the thing is though, you know, how do you think ahead on something like in your story, there's an earthquake in a region that just does not get earthquakes. Right. So how do you think ahead on a scenario like that when traditionally, and I think the answer is that you, you know, you just have to prepare for the worst no matter what, like, you know, there could be, what if there were an explosion that was enough to create an earthquake on that?
1: Really? You built this thing 35 miles outside of one of the largest Cities and possibly the
0: area. most densely populated yeah, city on the planet people within 50 miles, right?
1: It's it's uh, well, it's
0: interesting, yes, yeah. yeah. No, no, I, I <laughs> and that's what makes it not only makes for a great story, um, but it, there is a sort of message there, not a sort of message, there's literally a message there, uh, <laughs> that perhaps we should rethink uh, the positioning. So people tend to think of uh, nuclear power, I do as well, I think of it as very safe in general um but it's safe in the way that an airplane is safe as long as everything is going okay you're safe <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when something goes wrong it's not safe, <laughs>
1: not safe. Not good that's right. like anything in life right <laughs> but yeah, yeah some some have uh different thresholds of safety i'd say or right you'd have different levels of, of, uh, impact if something goes wrong, I guess.
0: Right, right, yeah, right. So uh, what did you do for uh research for this?
1: Lots, uh, yeah. <laughs> tons, years of it. And it was interesting and kind of maddening at times to try to cram the re to wrap the, a story around the research and ha- you know, have it flow and it was kind of challenging in that way. But, um, read lots of books about nuclear power about past disasters about fukushima about three mile island about chernobyl yeah um, books on how nuclear power plants function endless research online uh i had a, a few i have a few advisors in nuclear power that helped me uh dave lockbaum from the union of concerned scientists read the mm-hmm. book and ch- fact-checked everything for me and very grateful for that and my I was pretty much spot on and gave me a few, a few things that I, that I changed, but uh, did a lot of research. It was good.
0: Yeah. That's the way you want to do it. I mean, you, you've got, cause you're not writing a history paper here or anything. Uh, right. but you are, you're crafting a story that does rely on, uh, on existing science, existing, you know, theory uh, right. and, and problems that we could come up with. So what was it that drove you to want to write this story in particular though?
1: Well, this was a spinoff of a first novel that I wrote that had a sort of the impetus of that novel was a a nuclear power plant meltdown. It was just sort of a thread in that story that was about an advanced energy technology called zero point energy. And uh, my editor suggested that I just write a book just about a nuclear power plant meltdown. He thought that was much more compelling. He felt it had never been done before, even though you know, we're, yes, we're writing in this sort of cliche format, if you will, thriller format, Hollywood format. Sure, um, but uh, no one had done a story like that, um, and so I thought about it, and I, and I decided to to take it in that direction and, and create this second book off of that. And I and I was I was passionate about all this from the beginning, from Fukushima, from this earthquake earthquake that happened in 2011 around the same time in Virginia. Right. You know, and I felt like, wow, this could happen here. We have these other energy technologies that are not being used, um, typically because of financial reasons or for reasons of control. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was an important story to tell.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you brought up zero point energy, which is something I'm, I'm very interested in and have, looked at, uh, as a component of story more than anything. Um, that's for, that's fascinating. Uh, I don't want to get off on that tangent cause we'll geek out and no, I, no could. I could go down the
1: road, <laughs> I did A lot of research on that.
0: We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to do a whole separate uh, episode. Oh, cool. i love
1: that.
0: So you are, uh, now according to your bio, you're a writer and a music creator and uh, living in LA. So, yeah. uh, what, how do you, uh, balance those two fields?
1: Uh, well, I. Been writing up until this year every day, um, at least on average of four hours, I'd say. And I, I would write in the morning, um, so five six a.m. I'd start, and music would happen later. And that's been my career: music and sound mixing uh, mm-hmm. for albums, TV shows, and films. So that that was sort of how I how I balanced it. They sort of happen at different parts of the day, and you could kind of only do kind of only write so much in a day and have, have, have any quality to it.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. You know, it, it yeah. comes
1: out and it's like, well, that's all I got. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and then you do it the next day and it's like, it's just, it's climbing a mountain.
0: But I do, I like, uh, so you remind me of a, a good friend of mine as an author and also a composer. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's scoring his, he's scoring his books and other people's books now he's that's actually cool. creating score. You could do wow. the same thing. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, that, that secondary creative outlet is his release from the tension and stress of the writing business. Sure. So Yeah, yeah they're
1: different different ways of creating. They they intertwine. I feel like all creativity intertwines. I yeah. even like, paint stuff, I draw stuff too, or uh, write poetry. So it, it it all connects in some way, the you know, that creative process, that creative channel, but then there's the differences of how how they flow. And definitely, mm-hmm. the music has a much more easeful uh, flow in an end-to-end process. There's not too yeah. much like painstaking editing that's happening.
0: So, do you listen to music uh, while you're actually writing? Oh yeah. Do yeah, you have a soundtrack. Is it your oh, music or is it? Uh, no, have- not my
1: music. I listen to a lot of cinematic stuff. I listen yeah. to uh, like Hans Zimmer and stuff like that. I listen to binaural tones. If you're familiar with that, just,
0: yep. mm-hmm. you know,
1: for, for brainwave states, keep you really focused. Uh, mm-hmm. Fela Kuti. I don't know if you're familiar. but no. an incredible artist from Africa. He was alive in the 60s, 70s. Um, incredible. But his, his music is very, the songs are very long. They're very, like, hypnotic, sort of entrancing, and of all kinds of incredible. It's, like, kind of, uh, like, funk, acid jazz kind of stuff. It's really okay, Okay. Cool. So he played a lot while I was, <laughs> yeah. And I was listening, actually, listening to different types of music to give me a vibe for what I was, the scene I was writing.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm sure, you do yeah. the same. No, I do. Yeah, I have. Uh, you know, I, well, I and I basically I just pull up cinematic, you know, soundtracks and just let them run in the background. You uh, and uh, you know, and I, I used to try to tailor the mix so that as I'm writing, I know this scene's going to be a romantic scene, so I want to bring in some romantic music. This scene's going to be a punch of drama and this scene's going to be action. And I would try to sort of customize as I went, but it was just too stressful. I just decided whatever the fates hand me. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So you're okay. Uh, Now you live in LA, but you're writing about an area near Manhattan. Had you visited this area? Do you know much about it personally?
1: So I grew up in in New Jersey, spent a lot of time in New York. My family's back there. So uh, very very familiar with the area.
0: What took you out to LA? You were chase, You were pursuing the. I hate saying chasing. The dream. You were pursuing the dream. Right? Now I'm
1: living the dream.
0: <laughs> now you're living the dream. That's, that's, the, that's what I like to hear, man. You're. Uh, I can tell. By the way, I almost took, could tell instantly that you you're one of these multi creative, you know, driven, but you know also kind of laid back. At, you know, in your own way, but still driven. That's yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you're uh and now i like how you um when you when i asked for your topic uh, i like how you described the the uh the book as the pace of the born identity the technical depth of michael crichton and the universal magnitude of dan brown uh that's a uh you've set yourself up at epic proportions there my friend <laughs> hey, marketing 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 I see every
1: day they're like it's like this and then you watch it or read it and you're like
0: yeah. 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 Do you feel that your book uh hits those expectations?
1: I actually I do.
0: Okay. I do. I, would, I would not expect any less from you. I'm just you
1: know, in a certain in certain respect, <laughs> my editor, Dick Merrick, he he uh he did 14 Robert Ludlum books he edited. Yeah. He oh, the, wow. Okay. He did, all the, he did all the he did the Bourne trilogy. He published and edited them. I feel oh, like no. the pacing is there. It's not the same story, of course. I no, some people course. You know i got a couple of one or two reviews are like oh it's not like that at all i was like okay yeah it's yes it's not that story but there's anything yeah. there my technical depth is definitely on point you know yeah. yeah sure why not the universal magnitude
0: uh people get hung up on the weirdest things man i mean i'll have i have the group of readers who say you know it's like a dan brown book it's like what it's like indiana jones and then people read that and they get really upset that my guy isn't running around with a bullwhip and a right or a it's you know the
1: vibe you know yeah. the genre it's a thing it's the, yeah
0: exactly it's in, that needs to be its own bisac category you know <laughs> Dan Brown esque esque the esque category esk. we're gonna get this done man we're gonna pull this off <laughs> so, uh, so this is not your first book you've uh, how many how many books do you have out right now.
1: Well, this is the first one that's published.
0: Oh, okay, if, okay.
1: Yeah, this is the first published I have. The first novel I've written needs a little work. I have them halfway through a third novel. Then coming out probably before any other novels will be uh, a few poetry books, which are done. Designer's almost done, so I'm, wait- I'm waiting. And I have um, also have a book of essays I wrote. I, I read a lot of existential uh, poetry. Total mm-hmm. departure from the. Thriller novel. I kind of right. go into the literary world deep and get deep into the existential stuff, into the myst- very big into on the mystical and esoteric topics. So,
0: yeah, I was looking yeah. at the you know the covers of the other two books. I, oh. I guess I missed the coming soon in oh, large, right. bold letters uh, directly beneath them. But um, yeah, they they have a, a almost Eastern vibe. Um, yeah, sort of artwork wise.
1: They, they do. Yeah. And I'm, I'm steeped in those practices for many okay. years of meditation, yoga practicer and, um, into all that. Ancient
0: Quite stuff. a spectrum you've, you've developed for yourself. <laughs> the, I'm
1: just, I'm just the, being splattered.
0: It's not though. It's really not though. When you consider that you've written an eco thriller, you know, right. like there's, or, or there's environmental threat. thriller. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. You're just, you're exploring the same themes with different tones. Yeah, I would expect no less. Yeah, I would expect no less from somebody who creates music. <laughs>
1: Thank
0: you. <laughs> Look, the marketing message just writes itself, man.
1: <laughs> I love it. Hey, Scotty, you know, we're knocking on the doors to see where we, which one's open, see where we fit in.
0: Exactly right. So you're, uh, you know, and poetry is a, such a difficult market. Have you got a publisher for the poetry or are you self-publishing or what are you doing there? I
1: don't have a publisher yet. I have someone in mind. Uh, Andrews McNeil, I think. Okay. If you're, if you're listening, I'm coming for you. Um, I'm so sure they,
0: everyone there is such a big listener of the. Words yeah, they're the
1: they're listening. I'm sure they're tapping right now. But they they're actually they they publish a a couple very popular poetry books right now, sold millions of copies and and I think some of it is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think by stuff is really good and would be interesting. So I know yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make some approaches. And, uh, I actually may do a Kickstarter on, on the one book because it's a very, it's very special. I wanted covered cloth. I might do a leather bound version, yeah. uh, gilded edges. Cause it kind of has that sort of like, you know, antique look to it, ancient look. Yeah. There.
0: Yeah. Make it feel. Yeah. Yeah. I, might, I understand. what you're
1: with that And try to do something artsy with it. You know? If the,
0: and the people who, uh, support you on Kickstarter, uh, get along with the book, a free Ziploc baggie filled with dust to, uh, <laughs> to dust, Magic dust yeah yeah there you go crystal. Uh, are you uh now are you working on any more thrillers though or are you is this just a yeah I have,
1: yeah i have a third the third third one i'm halfway through
0: oh you did say that yeah i'm sorry yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. yeah so yeah so here's what you do man you have a one of the characters a prominent character reading your poetry in what the oh, like that. there you go like you that. Tie them all together i like that yeah
1: like this gp james poetry is incredible No,
0: <laughs> know <laughs> are you writing that uh now are you writing everything under gp james so far mm-hmm. so
1: far it's a, it's a it's a it's a weird pen name is it's a weird space but my last name is papania and okay. like you know a lot of people can't grasp that and when it's like what's your name like gp james can't mess that up
0: right if you mess right. that up
1: i'm sorry you know Yeah. but Give me it's like, I'm not, how do you spell? What was his name? I don't know. Look,
0: I'm writing under Tomlinson. Uh, I hear, I hear (laughs) you.
1: And it's also like when it's your own, you look at it differently. Like I look at your name and I'm like, Oh, that's fine. I I get that. But then again, I'm not everyone else. I kind of, I can grasp whatever name, but I,
0: yeah, well I get Tomlinson a lot. A lot of uh, reviewers, a lot of people reviewing will write Tomlinson. Uh, so it is problematic. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't done a test. I don't know if maybe. K Tom. K Tom. K Tom. Yeah. I actually I just interviewed uh, thriller writer Jack Carr, who was telling me that Lee Child gave him the advice of, because uh, Jack Carr is his pseudonym, his pen name. Uh, he gave him the advice of, of picking a name that comes pretty early on in the alphabet. To to milk that advantage. So now I'm thinking, you know, the gears are the gears are turning. You know, I'm going to be an Anderson or an you know. And, <laughs> it's,
1: I, and I agree with you. It's it's so funny. It's so yeah. it's so. Funny. I can't
0: rebrand now, though. I mean, it's just too much. Just you know, thirty years of writing behind me. I can't. Ooh, wow. Can't rebrand now. <laughs> right.
1: That's a lot. I guess I put the, my stake in the ground early. Now I'm there TV you go, James, and that's it.
0: That worked, man. Uh, it worked for El James. Why not? Okay. <laughs> there you go. I don't think that anybody's going to make the mistake of uh, picking up one of your books thinking it's El James, unless you put maybe some some uh, handcuffs or something on the cover. an uh, Idea. You could you could do it. I mean, the poetry, man. <laughs>
1: this is, you're onto something here.
0: Poetry that frees us from bondage, and now you've got a <laughs> market. <it>. Uh, <laughs> So now you're, uh, you say you did a lot of research. Um, I, by the way, the research part is always th- that's threatening to me because what I'll end up doing is researching to the point where I don't actually write the book, uh, because I'm so, you know, mired in the research. Like, how sure. did you, how did you manage all of it while you were doing that?
1: It was, it was just a dance, you know, it was a balance of, of getting enough to start yeah. starting making notes for what i need what I'm, what i and then and then going back looking that up going back and so it was it was really a back and forth process but it i don't know that i would do it again like that with something that you have to be so technically detailed for because i i need it to i wanted it to be real i can't have a nuclear person read this and say oh that that doesn't function like that right. oh right. that doesn't no, we can't have that happen. So This is
0: why I always pay attention when Homer Simpson goes to work. I, if I ever want to write about nuclear facilities, right. that's my go-to source.
1: Totally. That, <laughs> and that's pretty much I just watched all the episodes of The Simpsons. And that's how I, that's how I learned how to do this. And it worked out.
0: That's I learned to do half of what I do in life, man. Uh, <laughs> that's cool, man. Yeah. I Did you... Was part of your intention to write it though, with a message in mind to influence people uh, when it came to to nuclear energy? Or? Of course, yeah.
1: definitely. Anything I do I, uh, it has to have a socially conscious thread. It, 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 the the purpose is to sh- spread awareness, share mm-hmm. information that many people may not know about, and, and try to you know elevate the, the consciousness. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's important. I think most of us write or create with that in mind. Some of us may y- even just, if
0: uh, we're not cognizant of it.
1: Right. Yeah. Even a subconscious thing. And and even yeah, even if you're not conscious, even the people that just you think they're creating for purely entertainment and maybe and and maybe they are, and those are the ones that don't realize, oh there there are messages in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh ironically, just before this call I was reading uh James Scott Bell's, um, uh, one of his books in, in which he, you know, he calls out this very point. Um, and, and basically I, I forget who he quoted, uh, but it was, you know, if you want to, if you want to send a message, try Western union. Uh, but I, I actually think ah, that,
1: <laughs> my editor said that to me.
0: Okay. There you go. Letter. But here's what I believe. And I truly believe this, that, um, the, uh, it's kind of along the lines of the message is the medium, right? Like, you know, you're telling a story. You're crafting entertainment. Um, not necessarily, you know, you're crafting a good story. So it works on that level. As long as it works on that level, everything else you put into it is fine. I agree. It has to work on that level or sure. otherwise it's no good.
1: Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> and yeah. that is, that's funny. Yeah, I got, I got that line dropped on me in a letter that was tearing <laughs> <my dreads laughs> you're doing- stuff like
0: the all the messages anyway, shut up. Every, everyone in the publishing industry reads like the same five books, man, <laughs> the same five books on leadership. <laughs> so,
1: right. And they read the same five, five books and genres too.
0: They do. Yeah. Which is why, you know, I, I sometimes wonder, you now. maybe, and I'm, I'm, I'd be curious cause you, you've done something uh, to me, which is slightly off, off, um, off the trail, as it were, for most thriller writers, like you know, because you're into so many other things that are that are not strictly. Most of the thriller writers I talk to, if I interview them on the show, they've got some background, like they're in they were in the military, they were an environmental scientist, they were you know a lawyer, um, and you're coming at this from a, a very different, more creative, not more creative. I don't want to start that rumor. Uh, sure. You're coming to this as someone who works in a creative industry. That has nothing to do with the topic of your book, sure. Which is an appealing idea to me, by the way. Sure. Do you, do you felt like? Do you feel like that helped you in uh, in in crafting this story, even sort of coming at it as an outsider?
1: Um, it definitely, sure. Well, you, you know, you I think you create different differently when you're more of an artist type, mm-hmm. and, 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 and and maybe less of the sort of like you know left brain person who you know ha- has a creative side or th- that creative outlet right. and um it yeah I, I i don't i don't know if it helped me necessarily but it's like i feel like everything i do as a creative person is supposed to have a message so to me it it's it's like whatever is coming through that i feel you know, uh, people's awareness should be tuned to. And maybe there are others supporting that, yeah. but, how could, but maybe it's not amplified enough in my opinion. So how can I amplify this more and what can I do creatively behind it to, to spread that awareness?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I think that's the right approach. You know, we, we come at this, we're artists. Um, the thing about being a, an author these days, um, we're balancing two lives essentially because there is the art. There's the business of writing. Sorry about that. Everybody, you heard the vibration of my mic. Um, There's the business side of it. And we, in my circles, at least, there tends to be an overemphasis of the business side. There is then the craft side or the art side of it that, you know, is equally important. And if you can get those two working in harmony, it's like, if you got both hemispheres of your brain, working in harmony you know who knows what you could accomplish uh so i i like the approach man
1: yeah it's thank you and it's 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 a challenge as you know to to balance those two sides and i'm i'm just, we're all still learning i mean i'm just first book you know going out into publishing and every day i'm learning how people are you know getting through the market and this and that and again you have to put that other hat on but you know the yeah. The creative in me and probably in you and others just wants to like go in the room and create stuff and write and just let other people do all the other Trust like me. business stuff <laughs> right. you know it's, it's 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 yeah when I finished a book it was like oh it's done all right we're gonna sell it and I was like okay you know a year later yeah it, it went
0: you know and so what did you, what was that process about? Did you, did you get a, I hadn't even really put this together and I haven't looked, but you traditionally published or indie published?
1: Uh, traditionally published by Y Okay. Kennedy,
0: which okay.
1: Is like a mid level out of uh, Oregon. Okay. And um, nice people. And they, they're they're they reached out to me. Um, and they were very passionate about the the story. So I went with it. The book, it did circulate around the, the big, five big four whatever it is you know yeah went to random house penguin this one that one uh went to all high level agents and no one uh no one no one grabbed onto it um yeah. so uh but this is this is good
0: yeah no yeah i agree <laughs> uh i'm just hey, curious what the but, process was like yeah the, the yeah
1: it's interesting you know everyone's got, it, the thing about it is who who knows it's like I felt like when I was sending around, I was like, oh, well, maybe it's a cliche story format. It kind of is. Yeah, but I wrote it like that because I was trying to convey this message. Oh, well, they're not, you know, you go with this stuff. Well, I guess they're, they're not really feeling it. Oh, I should have wrote it. I should have wrote one of my literary novels. But, that, you know, you don't know. Then I know. I know. I got friends who wrote, you know, really cool literary stuff that yeah. circulated. Oh, they had a high-level agent. Deal fell apart. This one, oh, that one. had. Everyone's got an opinion. So it's really... Uh, it's just throwing, it's throwing darts
0: Yeah. and, yeah. Uh,
1: and you don't know uh, everyone. I like the character. I don't, I don't like the character. Oh, the story is amazing. Oh, the pace is amazing. I thought the pace yeah. was a little slow. I, this is, this is the responses I got. And when you saw that everyone was contradicting, you had to go, well, this is all.
0: This is what it is. This is yeah. The- I tell you what, if you give me money, then I'll let you influence the shape of the story. That's, yeah. the, I that's, it, the that's, what, that's
1: what I said. I <laughs> I'm going rewrite another word.
0: Right. Yeah. Was happy,
1: my editor was happy with it and he's tough. If he was happy, he either got tired of me or he was happy.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> but,
1: so I like that, was, that though. He,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: He, was, it, he was honest enough for me
0: yeah i don't know and and that makes it makes sense to me like i um you know you you get the stories you're gonna farm a book around for months years decades you know i don't know when we decide enough is enough on a book honestly i just because i indie publish now uh you know because i i had the whole traditional thing briefly and decided i liked uh i liked the control or whatever but Now I'm back out there kind of, you know, I'm talking to agents who are interested in some of the work. They're interested in the fact that I have a platform. They're interested in, you know, so that's all very cool. So now, but that it shifts my experience of that industry. So I'm always looking to find out like, how did, how do people normally get there? And no, there's no one path, man. No,
1: no one path. And and, uh, I have, I've been talking to some film companies, you know, and some of that's, happened through me, set, you know, sending my novel in. Some of it's right. been like a friend is called, you know, I know a lot of folks in different industries out here and like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, my friend works at, you know, this studio and right. uh, he produced blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. Uh, and then you get a meeting and, you know, sometimes it knocks on your door. It's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's quite fascinating. But the, the indie route is, is it, it is interesting to me just yeah. going through this process. And I, I have other friends who have, Big publishing deals and they didn't the, the publisher didn't really do anything for them. They still right. had to hire a publicist. They, right. they you know they still had to do all all this work, they still had to put out money, and that's fine. So I so looking at there's 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 you know positive threads to 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 um the different avenues of of putting your work out. Yeah. And and um advertising of course is, is something I, recently i've been looking you know yeah. online i've been looking at these guys on uh on amazon guys and girls that um have had sold millions of copies through kindle and i'm looking like okay what what do they do what are they doing and i realized a lot of social media advertising right One Guy said he was spending 300 dollars a day
0: yeah that's i know guys spending a, a lot more than that per day wow that's, <laughs> wow and they're you know but they're also these guys are also buying you know i mean they're private you know custom built catamarans in hugh howie's case you know uh things like that i mean they they're, have they're the out. financial
1: means to support
0: right. it right and that's what i realized
1: The one guy he uh he's he had some internet startup and you know he he made millions i'm sure and the other guy i don't know what his financial situation was but and then they were making a return on that investment scene that they right. were making, you know hundreds of thousands from that. And they, and that got themselves up in the ranks. Now I've read some of those books and I, I can't say they're that good, but okay. You know, I, I respect.
0: They don't their, have to be. Yeah. You know, that's, that's uh,
1: They're promotioning in uh, you know, a promotional hustle.
0: Right. Right. There's a need. There's a, there, there's a reader for every book. Um, it, the, the key really is knowing how to reach those readers. So, right. yeah, so that's cool, man. I, all right. Well, you've had an interesting journey. I, I, um, and the book sounds fascinating. I can't wait to dive in fully. Um, this is the only downside to, to this gig, by the way, doing the, uh, the word Slinger podcast. The only downside is that a lot of these interviews come so fast. I don't get a chance to read the books, uh, before I start and I've got a read pile, Uh, I might as well just, if I filled these shelves behind me with my uh, 2B red pile, uh, they'd be twice as full. (laughs) Uh,
1: I'm sure, easily.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, all right, man. Well, look, I'm going to, we're at time. I don't want to take up much more of your time. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Tell people where they can find you and your books online.
1: Sure. So at my website, gpjames.com, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as G.P. James and uh, book is for sale uh, in paperback and Kindle format on Amazon uh, and also for sale on uh, Barnes & Noble.
0: Excellent, all right. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, Greg, and uh, everyone else listening out there. Right about now, you're probably hearing the groovy theme music. You may dance in place as well. If you'll stick around, you'll hear some industry news uh, that you're really gonna want to tune in for. And other than that, we're gonna just hop on over Thanks again, Greg, man. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you.
0: All right, everybody. See you on the other side. And, well, this is That Other Side. I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed that interview with GP James. Uh, there is no industry news. I don't do that segment anymore. Yeah, that lets you know how long ago <laughs> this was recorded. Uh, well, I guess there's a little industry news I could share with you, like things like uh, there has been a bid to buy out Barnes & Noble. If you're interested in that, um, you can ch- – I don't have – probably not going to bother putting a link in the show notes i may um but the, i think the implications of that are going to be kind of interesting um the fund uh, or the uh, group looking to buy it also bought out waterstone in the uk uh and their stated purpose for buying that friend that uh, property was that they were after the loyal users uh they wanted to be able to reach the the huge number of readers that those guys have, so they, the company uh, or the investment firm or whatever it is, the vulture fund really is looking at this um, <clears throat> as an opportunity to uh, to dip into the Barnes and Noble following. <laughs> so, what will that mean for uh, indie publishers in particular? No idea. Uh, but it is something that's come up. It's interesting. Uh, got some changes uh, kind of coming. I guess I am doing a news segment. Look at that. I'm uh, Got some changes coming for uh, Apple. Now, I've had questions. People have asked me, like, with Apple ditching um, iTunes, with them shutting down iTunes, is that going to impact anything? And the answer is no because they pulled the uh, books from iTunes quite a while back. Uh, it might impact audiobooks in some way. Uh, but I, it looks like Apple's really been working to integrate audiobooks into their, uh, books app, uh, among other little changes. So, uh, I don't think this, this is really going to impact anything, uh, on the book side. Uh, it's definitely not on the draft to digital side. So feel free to check it out. Um, beyond that, <laughs> I don't have any other industry news. I haven't looked anything up, but I, you know, uh um, I kind of like that segment. Maybe I should bring that back. It was always kind of a job of work uh, on the video side because it wasn't just finding the stories and reporting them. It was uh, having to put up some kind of graphics and things and just led to more work, and that's why I stopped doing it. So now I've got a new opportunity. Look at that. Change brings new opportunities. <laughs> that's why you should embrace change. I know it's hard on all of us, but you can um, you can actually find new opportunities every time you... Uh, encounter change in the world uh change and failure are the greatest tools for creating new resources in our arsenals so <laughs> anyway uh, man that means you know what i got i just got this excited little buzz i think uh some some big things are coming i think we're gonna see some big things coming in the next uh in the next few months from the word slinger podcast so all right uh, that is going to be it. I'm gonna go ahead and wrap us up at 41 minutes, I might add. Uh, so that's a nice link for an episode. Hope you're taking care of yourselves out there. Um, we've had some really interesting weather and so uh, <laughs> we've had some hero management been a lot of flooding and stuff here in the uh, Houston area, Sugarland Sugarland, Texas, where I call home. Um, but I uh, hope you are taking care of yourselves. I know there's still snow and stuff happening. It's like there's snow, like in Arizona or something. It's weird. Uh, whatever. Um, I I call magic, voodoo of some sort. Um, but take care of yourselves out there. Hope you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Hope you're enjoying the changes that are coming out of the Wordslinger podcast. Reach out to me. Some of you have, and I really appreciate it. You guys are being very supportive about all this, um, with some great advice. Um, I I don't know if uh, <laughs> I don't know if some of you are saying. Uh, Maybe I have a face for radio. I don't know. I don't know. You let me know. (laughs) uh, Anyway, God bless each of you. And uh, take care of yourselves. And I'll see you all next time.